Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The oh, Fan. Are we hugging? No, we don't need to be hugging this I need, morning. I need to come hug. It's me, Kevin Hagelin, Corey Majors, who is hugging me. What the hell is going on? And now Mike Vasek is hugging me for some reason. I don't love this. Along with Alec Medford. What was that for? I'm fine. This isn't last week. <laughs> All right, look, I'll I'll admit that's good. Monday and Wednesday last week, perhaps not in the best mood. One I'm out of fine ten now. How did that make you feel that we both uh initiated in terms physical of contact? It's yeah. like a seven or an eight. It's it's odd. But you understand why, right? I, I get it. All right. I, I don't know why. I'm, yeah, just not, just, a, I'm not a huggy person. Except with Noah. You use pampers instead of huggies? That's a good one. Does that, Brandon complain? Why don't you hug me like Noah? No, the kids, I, I will hug the kid. Okay, hold on. Now that is going to be taken out of context. My sons, I will hug my sons and my wife and my mom and sister. But other than that. I'm not usually a big hug person. Can you take a picture with both of your sons, Noah, like in your right <laughs> arm right here, and then Brandon in your left arm? But, like, you know, it looks like you're holding both of them. I feel like I saw, like, while we were working at the paper together, you always had a picture of you holding Brandon. I know I had a picture of me. Yes. Like, somebody printed out a picture of me holding Avery. Uh, but you had pictures of you and Brandon all over the place. Okay. I never see pictures of Noah up here. Well, I don't have a cubicle up here. I'm also going to... I don't want to derail our opening segment, which... You want to move it now? Well, we were going to talk about the Mavs. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... I regret this with all of my being. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you something that you're going to make fun of. It says... You have a bracelet that uh-huh. says K-E-V. Kev. Oh, Kev. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who made that? One of my one of my refugee kids. Dude, that's awesome. Had the volunteer work. Why get, would I laugh at that? That's cool. I'm getting soft. No, that's good. Did you want a Y at the end? No, I did not. But so he, hold on, you're saying like the other Kevin would have thrown it back at the kid and been like, "Get out of here. Yeah. Go learn how to go grow a business or something. <laughs> go grow a business. <laughs> yeah, like is that like that's not soft, dude. That's awesome. He made something for he you. Did. You're like, I'm gonna represent that kid. It was delightful. I appreciate it. There you go, man. Good job, dude. Good job. The three, two, one, Kevin. If you're getting too soft, Men's Tea Clinic can help. Out. <laughs> oh I hear those commercials all the time, so I, I I see where you're going with that. Right? All right, let's go ahead and fire off cut number one because for most of the night, it looked like the Mavs might be too soft. Bulabali tries to knock it away inside. A swing pass. Washington to Hardy. Quarter three. Hardy party is over. 
All right. They won. They did. And look, I don't want to take away from that whatsoever. 112-104 win over the Wizards. One of the worst teams in the NBA. But the key is you keep the winning streak alive. It just... It didn't look like the exact same effort as you saw from game one of the new look Mavericks, though obviously I realized Gafford was doing his part with 17 rebounds, but it didn't look exactly the same. His effort was there. It was the, his effort was the same, yeah. right? Like that was that dude was still doing same energy, and I, I wonder how long that stays because, you know, if he's playing that level all the time, we're going to be really good. Uh, if everybody else can get back up to where he is, he didn't miss like his, it felt like his first 50 shots right, uh, right next next to the basket. But he, it was still it was still fun. They'd still look Mike. You're talking about chemistry yesterday. It's going to take time for them to understand spacing, understand where they're all supposed to be and what they're all supposed to be doing. But even Luca looked out of sorts a little well, bit last night. To your point, Gafford didn't play the final five minutes of the game True. when they when they ended up winning the game late in the game. They probably looked at their defensive rotations and everything and said, look, P.J. Washington, one-on-one defender, but the guy that we want in the kind of paint, calling out uh, switches, calling out pick-and-roll defenses, we want Maxi Kleba doing that. And Maxi Kleba did a great job of that uh, late in the game. So to your point, they're not there yet. I, no. I think Gafford is a better overall player than Maxi. They're different, but I think he's a better overall player. But right now – Gafford doesn't know the strengths and weaknesses of his teammates, doesn't know the defensive, uh, you know, rotations and assignments the way that the Mavericks want to do it yet. So I think it's going to be difficult for him right now to finish games because he just needs to learn more of what they want in their concepts of defense. As we saw uh, Washington, their concept is lose at all cost when it comes to winning time. That actually is probably fair. Does it like, I don't know if this is just, you know, how you start, but Gafford, it does seem like get rebound, go right back up with it. He doesn't look to be uh, trying to pass out or anything like that yet. And I don't know if that's just, hey, you go in there and just be big. And if you get the ball, put it back up. That's your well, that's your your uh, reward. I honestly can't tell you the last person that has been on the Dallas Mavericks that's been considered an offensive rebounder. Yeah, Christian Wood isn't. Dwight Powell isn't. Maxi Kleba isn't. So who who have we had in the last yeah. five years? I can't think of a person that actually would attack the offensive boards and get it because if it accidentally went to them, they were just like, Luca, here's the ball back. I don't know what to do. So and now you might have two. Like I realized Lively. one of them was injured last night but, or uh, didn't play, but you might have two now in the fold. Yeah, that's all. It's fun. I, I know the, the Jason kid even floated out the concept of those two at some point, maybe being on the court together at the I same time, think that could happen. which we discussed. I, I think it's a short spell thing and Fair. definitely, because I mean, think about this. You might have go bear and cat on the, court at the same time in a playoff game and you're just going to say no we're just going to put pj washington on one of them i watched uh minnesota play last night they're on nba tv versus the clippers and before i fell asleep they were dominating the clippers i'll still say this the issue i have if you play both of those guys because it kind of makes sense defensively yes offensively who sets the pick for luca i'm just going to ask this question i'm asking who do you want setting the pick for luca and rolling to the basket Probably right now, Gafford. Okay. Yeah. So where am I putting Lively on the court right now? Double yeah. pick. Probably in the corner. Oh. To be honest, probably in the corner. And nobody's so let's just say Carl Anthony Towns is guarding 
live. He just stands right next to the paint and goes, I don't care. Throw it to the corner. Like, yeah, that makes sense. So when Luca it. beats his guy, Cat is just standing there. When Gafford rolls to the basket. So I'm not saying they won't do it. But until like maybe Lively can develop a 33% corner three-pointer, it just it, – it, offensively it scares me what happens to the paint when they're both on the court together but defensively it does make sense so finishing the game then theoretically because we were talking about the closing five everyone's like oh who started this game blah blah blah. who's in for the closing five minutes and obviously the two superstars yes that's easy and then and it I goes do from think there. PJ will. Okay. And he was last night. So if you go Luca, Kyrie for sure, probably PJ Washington, then we were just having a discussion lively versus Gafford. And then does it expand out to the other spot? Does it go Green, Jones, Exum? Or- and Kleba has to be part of this conversation too. Okay. I think Exum, are we overvaluing i'm asking this as a question he hasn't played a lot this year because he's been hurt quite a bit are we overvaluing the moments we've seen from him that he could really be one of your five best players maybe mm, yeah I, you have to consider he was kind of helping keep you afloat and so maybe we're looking at him in a different way because uh, do we look at him baseball. over Derek jones jr right now i i don't know i'm kind of looking at this baseball are we kind of saying ezekiel duran should be in your lineup no matter what you're like wait a second it was a it was a really good six weeks stretch yeah when he filled in for Corey seager it was awesome but are we sure and i'm i'm honestly i'm going to talk about ezekiel duran in baseball nuggets that's why he's on my mind right now but um i just like when i think of exum and i think of what you have now i don't think he enters your thought my opinion. Okay. I don't think he enters your thought as a finishing five. He does in my rotation, in my like nine man yeah, rotation. Yeah. He's in it. In my finishing five, I don't think Exum is in it. Okay. So let's kind of revisit last night then because Josh Green was on the court. And when you have Josh Green and PJ and Maxi, now we were discussing all those guys, I think you're limiting yourself three wise i mean i know hardaway's more of the score but they did have they did have the lead late in that game too so maybe that was why hardaway wasn't out there because defensively you're trying to hold that down josh green's better at that and he was off but yeah he was off and hardaway hardaway and green were kind of off a little last night too so i think for defensive purposes your final five is green uh but then like mike, mike just said maxi's got to be in that conversation so i think it's maxi over pj washington right now until PJ Ooh. proves that he can hit a three, but he's great and athletic and young. So you're going Luca, Kyrie, Green, Maxi, Gafford? Yeah. Okay. I will go with this is my answer. When it matters the most, I will go with your two superstars, the two guys you traded for, Gafford and PJ okay. Washington. Once they totally understand yeah. what they're supposed to be doing. And then I will lean towards green right now. But I think that's the spot where it can be played with by this is where Jason Kidd has to be a very good coach. And I'll give him credit. In that run to the conference finals, he was a very good coach at pressing the right buttons Mm -hmm. and getting the right guy on the court at the right time to make it work. Because he did not have five guys he could rely upon. He had Brunson and Luka he could really rely upon. And then he had to work his tail off on the other three spots on what to do. And so I look at this one and go, if you get everything right, 
And P.J. Washington ran into that P.J. Washington I'm worried about last night. It's just one game, but it's like, hey, he just is running up and down the court. When is he going to affect this game? At least he wasn't affecting it negatively, but you're like, is he going to affect this game positively? And so I'm going to trust that P.J. Washington gets better the more he plays with this team. Gafford is is off to a great start. And then it's like, is it Kleba? Is it Green? Is it if Hardaway's... He's going to take 14 shots by that point. If he's 8 of 14, maybe I'm leaving leaving him him on the court because of his offensive threat of just nailing threes. But if you just put together your base five right now, you wouldn't put him in there because that feels like a game-by-game proposition. Yeah, he's such a streaky guy. If I'm having to catch up in in the last five minutes, then I want him on the court. Depending on what he is that night. If he's one for seven, Hardy was the guy, right? He was such a bad shooter. Hardy Hardy played the Hardaway role, and I'll make all the threes late if you give them to me open, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Hardy's not his own shot creator for the most part. He did have that one really cool, like, behind-the-back dribble in the in yeah. the paint that I thought was really awesome. But, yeah, other than that, you're right. And he's getting better and better. I really like the development of him. But, yeah, I think that that'll be Jason Kidd's major coaching issue is if they make the real playoffs, which I think they will, is who's the fifth guy on the court? And from the 682, I love this basketball talk so much. I think we have good problems, and that's what Mike just said. We have good – these are good problems for Jason Kidd, and not bad ones. That is an interesting point because when it comes to usable depth, the two that we agree on, Luca and Kyrie, and then we kind of got into the spot depending on how you feel about Exum is – would it be Exum, Jones, Green? Would you consider Hardaway? Does it go P.J. Washington or Maxi? You assume you go Gafford, which doesn't even factor in the person who you might think is the third best player on your team in Derek Lively or could become. And so I do like the idea of picking up Washington and Gafford because now you've expanded your usable depth to what did we just rattle off about nine players right there? Yeah. And if let's just say it's green, let's just say green is the fifth guy. That means you have 25-year-old Luka, 25-year-old P.J. Washington, 25-year-old Daniel Gafford, I believe 24-year-old Josh Green. I think he's 24 if I have my years right. And then you do have a guy over 30 years old in Kyrie Irving. Right. That's good. And I didn't even name just turned 20 years old yesterday Derek Lively, who you're hoping jumps into that role as he keeps developing and getting better. So the great thing, too, about looking at this Maverick team now, all the credit in the world to Nico and his staff – is they've now developed a team that makes a lot more sense around Luka in the future. Yes. Yeah, down the road, there's some guys that can grow along with him, and he can he can utilize better on the court. When you only have, you know, pawns on the chessboard, you're screwed. But they have a little bit of everything now, and that's, that's, a, that's a huge benefit to them. Good job, Nico. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next, from the ratings to the rule book, the real winners and losers – of Super Bowl 58. Let's talk about it next right here on The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105.3 The Fan. Now, I have some more notes about the Super Bowl, and I wanted to go through, outside of just the basic of the Chiefs and the 49ers, the real winners and losers of the Super Bowl. And in case you forgot how the Super Bowl ended, I'm going to go to cut number six. It sounded a little something like this. That was the Korean broadcast of the Super Bowl bringing the appropriate excitement that you need for the game-winning play. So the Super Bowl, I'm assuming this, I'm taking Korea because we use their audio right there. Is it kind of like the World Cup finals to me? Like, I don't care. Now, they are countries representing each other. They sound pretty hyped. I know, but are Koreans like, I don't watch this sport. Like, as far as I know, there's not a whole bunch of Koreans playing football in Korea. They're playing baseball and they're playing a few other sports. It's not like it's a big thing. So it's like, we need to send a broadcast team over here. It's not like we have a Korean broadcast for Dallas Cowboys games. Yes. So... It's uh, like in Canada. Is hockey night in Canada the same as like Sunday night football? Like, do they do they love it okay. the same? I don't. I don't I live in tell Canada, you this. so I don't know. I played in Buffalo in AAA, and they covered the off season of the Sabers. Now that's when they had, I believe, was it Dominic Hoshik? Was Hoshik? They were really good, right? So they covered the Sabers like we cover the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. So, so I don't know about about. I'll have Korea. to go investigate the. So probably like in Ottawa, habits of Korea, they are senatoring it all the time. <laughs> That's probably are they still true. alive? The Ottawa senators. Now, Mike, this one is just for you. Winners and losers. The real winners and losers of the Super Bowl is the loser. Hope. This was the worst chief team of the Mahomes era, and they just won the Super Bowl. Is all hope dead for the rest of the NFL? In a way, yes. I said this the other day. I kind of want to sell all my T-Laws, all my Justin Herberts, all my Joe Burrows, all my Lamar Jacksons. I don't... I Everybody in the AFC? Everybody. Okay. There's, oh, the even, NFC doesn't have... I don't have Brock Purdy cards. They went way up too quick to get him. What about Dak cards? I sold all of those okay. a long time right. ago. Uh to be honest, why did I, you even bother asking? I sold those in 2021 when he couldn't beat Jimmy Garoppolo, and Makes he's sense. he's it's made a lot of sense to sell him ever since. Is I know that somebody else is going to win a championship. I get it. The Chiefs are not going to win the next seven Super Bowls. They right. might win two of them. You know, realistically, like you would say, hey, probably the Chiefs in the next seven years will probably win two more championships. I'd say that's a realistic number. Sure, but you just start looking at. We are in a Michael Jordan era of football where we have a dude 
who is just way better than everybody else. And it doesn't mean, to your point, it doesn't mean Patrick Ewing wasn't that good. That's where people get confused that weren't alive during Michael Jordan. They say, well, the, you know, J.J. Redick might say, well, the league wasn't as competitive as it is now. No, it was plenty competitive. The issue was Michael Jordan. And so the issue in the NFL now is a little bit of how do you beat this team? This was, I'll give you, Steve Bouchelle's son, Shane, played for the Kansas City Chiefs for his first few years. This year he's with the Buffalo Bills, if you didn't know. And this was a reset year of their cap. Yeah. They needed to look at their cap situation because I was like, why aren't they go? Why aren't they even trying to get DeAndre Hopkins? That makes too much sense for this team. And it's like, they have to re they've they've made a conscious effort to kind of reset the cap to get everything a little bit cleaner down the line so they can so this was a clean up the cap year and they won the championship the when patrick mahomes gets bored <laughs> is he going to go play baseball is whenever everybody else will have a chance oh okay like like he's when he gets I bored like cuz he's a good motivator of the rest of the team he goes into the into the into vegas and he's like guys he tells the guys y'all don't y'all i'll take care of it i'll make sure that i take care of it whenever we come back here and party but for this week i need y'all to focus whenever he gets bored or maybe if he, i know i'm not trying mike but if he gets burned out on the game Oh, my and, God. And I'm dead Why serious would about you this. use that specific That's the language. same thing as bored. Whenever he gets to a point where he's like, you know what? It's, it's, he, I don't want to anymore. That's I hear you. I, I know Michael Jordan got, there's multiple things. I'm not going, there's multiple yeah, yeah, things yeah. that happened yeah, at yeah. the end of 1993 that made him stop playing baseball. Or, sorry, basketball and go to baseball. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is as close to as popular as Michael Jordan was in 1993. I so I don't think he's having to deal with all of the things that Michael Jordan was dealing with at that time. But I could see everybody gets burnt out of winning. It's really weird. Michael Jordan got burnt out of winning or he would have kept playing. So the Dallas Cowboys, unfortunately, our Dallas Cowboys that we do love. I love Emmett. I love Michael. I love Troy. These guys actually were winners. They actually played the game to win, not to make money. They did make plenty of money, but their goal was to win. But they did get tired of winning. That's why we saw the lack of motivation 96 through about 99. Those guys were still on the team. It just they had won three championships. They didn't have any leadership from the front office through their coaching staff, so it fell apart. They also did a huge and uh, uh, people that keep texting in saying we're underappreciating the defensive part. Just stop. I am not. Like we just because we haven't been talking about it enough yet. I said yesterday I didn't think Mahomes should have been Super Bowl the, MVP. The San Francisco the, had a great defense with Joe Montana. New England had a great defense with Tom Brady. Like most teams that win a championship all have a very good defense. Yes, I've said this very I mean Kevin we finally came to the agreement. Defense and strong quarterback play <laughs> wins championships. And that's what happened. It's they kept him. They gave him the plenty of opportunities yes. to win the game. Yes. And they did it all season. But again, it goes to they had to look at their team this year and say, what's going to be most important? If we have a good defense, if, St if Steve Spagnuolo goes out there and puts that thing together, will we have a chance with Patrick Mahomes and a bunch of other guys? And they said, yeah, we will. So that was good enough. If they load up on offense, it'll be an offensive run. Now, winner of the Super Bowl, this one's interesting. These two are tied together. Winner of the Super Bowl, Andy Reid. 
He has the second most postseason wins of all time. And I get it. They've expanded out. check, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. And they've expanded out the playoffs. But here's the other part. Here's the list of coaches with more Super Bowl wins than Andy Reid. Chuck Knoll, Bill Belichick. That's it. Yeah, we'll discuss a, a little more of this in the C block for sure. But, yeah, he, this is another feather in the cap for him. Add, add together what he did in Philadelphia. Yes. Like over his entire career, it's not just been, hey, him and Mahomes. Like He did really good coaching while he was in Philly. Now, here's the flip side of it that is interesting to me. The real loser is Kyle Shanahan the new Andy Reid. And now what I mean by that is not just that you lost, but take a look back at some of those Andy Reid losses. Is You had an 18-point lead at halftime against the Titans. You had a 28-point lead against the Colts in 2014. And you have these collapses. You're talking about Andy Reid's team? Andy Reid's teams. You're talking about these collapses... And for the longest time, it was he can't manage the clock, can't manage the clock. And now along comes Patrick Mahomes. When was his first year in Kansas City? Was you it, said in 08, he lost? like he, 18. Oh, 2018. 18. So, okay. So, that's when Alex Smith was his quarterback, correct? Yep. Okay, I and heard you wrong. We all but Kevin. Oh, but. It's okay. You got C.J. Stroud, right, bro? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Is Yeah, no, 2014 and 2018. Okay. Because he started in 13, I want to say. Is but they had a wild card round. They had an 18 point halftime lead. They had a 28 point lead against the Colts. They lost both of those games for the longest time, wasn't it? Andy Reid, he's a damn fine coach. He can't close games or manage the clock. Does that not kind of sound like Kyle Shanahan right now? Yes, I think the thing that just talking to Ryan Drees, they're most upset about is why did they go away from running the, the run. ball? Yeah. And that's what Broadus kind of said during the game on our group text is because I was like, why aren't they running the ball the way that they ran it on that first drive? And it was just they got a little bit away from what had happened. To your point yesterday, that fumble might have caused a lot of issues even in Shanahan's head yeah. of giving the ball to to run a little bit more. So I can see that because I still think Shanahan's great. I think – I think he has two more years of a million-dollar quarterback. I get that there's some issues that San Francisco has on their cap, too, but literally he gets the next two years in a very weak NFC because, I mean, let's face it, I just don't think Green Bay, Detroit, Dallas, and Philadelphia are as competitive if you throw those teams in the AFC, and those are their main competitors in the NFC, and he has a million-dollar quarterback <laughs> to use 50 extra million dollars on the rest of his team. So I do think Shanahan's going to have the opportunity the next few years to get that championship, which takes all of the criticism away. And, and, and there's two points of conversation on that, too, because Jared Goff's a pretty good quarterback, right? Yeah. yeah. Good. And Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And Sean McVay was like, not good enough. Yeah. Let me go get a guy that I think is a different quarterback, a better quarterback than you. I'm going to go win a Super Bowl. And then he does. And Brock Purdy's a pretty good quarterback. Got him to a Super Bowl. Shanahan might look, look at that situation the same way McVay did and say, hey, let's go ahead and move on from this guy. Continue to do that. But can he find that quarterback? Can he find a guy? Does he have to go into the draft to get that guy and continue having such a great team around him? Or does he say, we got to go for the big name and we got we to gotta make sure he's here? Serious question. What's the heat level on Shanahan? Not like that he's going to get fired today or anything like that, but 
He's been to three Super Bowls, two as a head coach, one as a coordinator. We talked about this yesterday. He's had a double-digit lead, and every single one of them never closed. He's in his seventh uh, year now with San Francisco, and, I mean, they're in they're in and around the conversation every all every the time. time. Yeah. And I, if I'm an owner, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I am too. I think I think you can say he's in the Tom Landry category in like the late sixties, early seventies yeah. is it's next year's team, right? So Every I think year. that yeah, yeah. just said you just said that he he has the same Andy Reid stuff. What happens if he ends if he lands the quarterback and now he's like in that Andy Reid era where he's got all his problems out of the or way? Goes to another team, yeah, and yeah. he's just like, hey guys, by the way, I figured it all out and I got the quarterback to go along with it. Y'all are all screwed now. Winner. And loser from the football from the Super Bowl winner field goals loser extra points. Obviously, the blocked extra point. Perhaps I don't think it necessarily changed the outcome of the game, but it changed the strategy down the stretch in that game. And it was a field goal palooza. If you love that, but my favorite one. Let's go to cut number seven right here, if we can. The biggest winner of the Super Bowl. Dora the Explorer, rules expert. False start is when an offensive player illegally moves after lining up for, but prior to the snap. Where are we going? Back five yards! Why? Because it's a penalty! Now, that is how you learn the intricacies of football. And then did she talk about Jalen Smith as being swiper? Oh, swiper swiping again. Swiper swiping. He no. made a t- so anytime a guy made a tackle after the guy got a first down, it was like, and swiper, tell us what happens. Well, there was a linebacker for the no. Cowboys with one no. leg. That didn't and they happen, And paid him a Mike. lot of money. You know that didn't happen. To swipe every time he tackled a guy after 8 to 12 yards past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> swiper swiping. And if it wasn't Dora, the biggest winners of the Super Bowl, CBS and Taylor Swift because the records were set across the board. Now, look, I realize there's more people in the country every single year. So it makes logical sense that the ratings would go up. But that is not what has always happened with the Super Bowl until the last couple of years when it's been back on the upswing. But even still, CBS claiming the record for the most watched program in America ever. 123.4 million viewers, more than 200 million people watched all or part of the game across Nickelodeon, Paramount Plus, CBS. It's an uptick of, I believe, about 7.5% from last year. What do you attribute it to? I don't know. Are you going to say Taylor Swift? I think that, has, I, I, think I that honestly are, do think that has something to do with it. I think it was big it. because oh, I was changing to sure. CNN at halftime and Bob Costas was on CNN as the woman. She's the main person for CNN. I'm sorry. I don't know her name, but um, she's like, football's my favorite sport. Bob, tell me how football works. And I was like, what the hell's happening right now? <laughs> And I watched it for five minutes as she had, I'm like, don't say football's your favorite. I guess like if you're saying I watch it once a year at a party for the Super Bowl and that's the only sports I ever watch. That is your favorite (laughs) favorite because you literally never watch any sports. But it was literally watching like Bob Costas explain football to a kindergartner on CNN, which was really like interesting. I was like, I wish I was recording this to see her questions and like, 
It would be like me asking real political questions. <laughs> like, I'm going to look like a moron. What's up with these politics? Yeah, like, hey, tell me how voting works. I, I, I get the appeal of the Chiefs being back in there and the dynasty. But, but Bob, Bob Costas, my main point, was saying this is America's team with... Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes. with Taylor Swift, with the dynasty, with all these things. He said, all due respect to the Cowboys, I get they have the the moniker Moniker. of America's team, but right now the team that everybody's following in America is Taylor Swift. I mean, sorry, it's Kansas City Chiefs. maybe. (laughs) Ice Spice was also up in that booth, so a lot of people were trying to check out Ice Spice and her upside-down cross and her satanic uh, horns. What?! Oh, have you not heard all the? I don't know who and that then is. Joe Biden posted the picture right afterwards. It said just like what we drew it up with happening? the laser eyes. Have you not seen the laser eyes? Look at the laser eye picture, is Kevin. Is she a Spice Girl? No, Joe she's, Biden has laser eyes. Uh, I just typed in Joe Spice. What if they have Val Spices now? Like I know that there used to be Posh Spice and all them, but now they have A E I O and U Spice. He posted this picture right after what the, the su- crap Super in Bowl, hell, and it's like him as Homelander. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> I don't know what it means, but yeah, man. There's uh, yeah. I think there was just a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on. That's in this who one. they might have to send up there for the debate. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good lord. So whether you watch the Chiefs because you love them in greatness, you want to cheer against them, you added more people because of Taylor Swift, or apparently the Ice Spice thing, which I need to go read. Psyops, bro. Read, read more. Psyops just kind of about that. You know what they call TV, right? Programming. Oh my Why God. do you think they call it that, How Kevin? How much time are you spending on the internet reading things like this? Don't worry about my okay. time too much. KNC <laughs> Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. Hopefully we've powered through our technical difficulties. Coming up next, it's time for Baseball Nuggets with Mike Bassett. Well, during the break, I'm going to find out who iSpice is. <laughs> and I want to talk about the role of Ezekiel Duran next on 105.3 The Fan. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105 Through the Fan. Right now, time for Baseball Nuggets with Mike Basak. All right, so let's talk about Ezekiel Duran. What a player last year in the first yeah. half for the Texas Rangers. And without him, you don't make the playoffs. Agreed. Remember when Corey Seager, it might have been against the Royals, if I'm remembering correctly, he's running to second base for a double, possibly a triple, but more likely a double, and his hamstring goes out on him. And it was like, oh, no. What are we going to do? And the answer was Josh Smith. If you guys remember, the answer was, well, Josh Smith is going to play shortstop every day. No, that's not the answer. And about (laughs) eight to ten days into that process, it was obvious that Ezekiel Duran, even though not as good defensively as Josh Smith, was way more of an answer offensively than Josh Smith. And to be honest, when I break down these numbers, if I look at – May and June, where he was playing a lot. In the month of May, he batted 301 with a 922 OPS in 19 games. And in June, in 23 games, he batted 349 with a 1.021 OPS for those months. So he was 
let's face it, those are all-star numbers. Like, he was one of the five or six best middle infielders offensively in the game in May and June. Why do I bring up Ezekiel Duran? I find this interesting on multiple levels, but I want to talk about the DH role for the Rangers. MLB.com has projected the lineups and the rotations for all 30 teams in Major League Baseball. Here's the projected lineup for the Rangers, and I'm not 100% sure this will be the lineup, but this is what they project. Simeon and Seager, one and two. So keeping the exact same two, one and two guys, which is interesting to me. Evan Carter batting third. Now, there's not a lot of pop from Evan Mm. Carter. When you look at his minor league history, he's more of a doubles guy than he is a homers guy, which I'm not saying, oh, you have to have a 35 home run guy batting third, but it is interesting that they have more of an on-base percentage guy batting third than a guy who maybe is going to clean. If Simeon and Seager are getting on base, let's say we're hoping up to 40% on average, both of them combined, that's maybe a little high. But if they're getting on base quite a bit Evan Carter isn't a guy to just bam the ball's out of the ballpark it would be like he's going to be another guy getting on base Adolis Garcia batting fourth Josh Young fifth Nathaniel Lowe sixth Jonah Heim seventh that's exactly like last year right I mean that's that's a heck of a top seven too Justin Foscue opening day designated hitter Leody Tavares who batted ninth all year batting ninth playing center field so I asked the question As it says, Foscue, the club's number six prospect, could make his big league debut on opening day as the designated hitter, replacing Mitch Garver. How much of a percentage do you want to put on as pitchers and catchers report tomorrow for the Texas Rangers? How much of a percentage do you want to put that Justin Foscue is your opening day designated hitter? 79%. And and here's, here's why. He needs a chance, like he needs a shot before they can move on from him. I really, I and Wyatt Langford, like we're all excited about him right now, and that could be the that could be the solution. Maybe spring shows that Wyatt Langford is everything. And there's no way that you can keep him out of this thing, but they gotta they need value in Foscue. So I could totally see them saying, "Hey, look, we got to give him this chance." But after a month or so, if he isn't taking taking a hold of it and run on with it, we got we're we're let, we're moving on from him. My bold and potentially crazy prediction is I think Foscue and Langford can both work here at the same time. Oh my God. Is I think they're going to use Langford as a kind of a platoon, like once or twice a week. Once twice a week, he'll get in the outfield. Once twice a week, he'll get DH. They'll have him in, in the lineup half the time, maybe more than half the time. And Foscue will get plenty of time as well. I think Langford's breaking camp. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm going to be honest. I do not like that for Wyatt Langford. I think that's a bad idea. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? He either plays every day or he's in the minor leagues. One or the other for me right now. Foscue's different just because I don't think they're projecting Foscue as an everyday major leaguer right now. Here's what I wonder with Foscue, and I'm not saying trade him. What I'm just throwing out there is. He reminds me a little bit. They're different hitters. I think he has more power. He reminds me a little bit of the Nick Solak situation when you traded for him from Tampa Bay. And the more – now, they were in a rebuilding phase. They were not in – we're trying to win a championship phase when Nick Solak came up to the majors. But Nick Solak lost value the more he played. 
So I hear what you're saying, Corey. You need to see mm-hmm. if he can or yeah. can't. But if he can't, he probably loses all value. As in, like yep. he's not tradable. You're not. But gonna, you got to make a decision right, on him at he, some point. He's your 14th overall pick in yeah. a draft. He has done enough offensively in the minor leagues to deserve an opportunity to show if he can hit at the major league level. But this is where I bring up Ezekiel Duran. Yes, he struggled in the second half. He batted 226 with a 610 OPS. Totally different player from what I just brought up in May and June especially when he was an everyday player for the most part for the Texas Rangers. I think Ezekiel Duran deserves the DH role to start the year more than Justin Foscue does. I'm trying to leave White Langford out of this conversation for now. I like Ezekiel Duran. Ezekiel Duran proved last year he can be very successful because I'll be honest with you. I would be shocked, and I hopefully I am, if Justin Foscue's your everyday DH and he bats 308 with an 870 OPS. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. That's what Ezekiel Duran did. Yeah. Like, he did it. To me, there's a little bit more proof in the pudding in Ezekiel Duran, and I feel like you guys give me your opinion on this. I feel like in a lot of these articles, Ezekiel Duran is being written off. Yeah, odd man out. I don't know why. Uh, other than the the drop-off was so extreme, and some people might believe, well, now he just regressed to the, to the mean. You know who had an extreme drop-off at 28 years old, 29 years old? Adolis Garcia. Oh. Yeah. Adolis Garcia made the all-star team, and then probably I need to go back and look. That in second 2000, half was horrid. In 21, yeah. I bet he had an OPS under 700, and he figured it out. And I'm not saying, look – Right? This is the great thing about playing on bad teams when you are a younger guy. Yes. So what? Play him next play him again tomorrow night. Right. So what? Play him again next year. This is a different time. Yeah. The Rangers are defending a World Series championship and are going to try to win 90 plus games to make the playoffs again. So I get that they're maybe saying we can't let Ezekiel Duran sit around and try to figure this out the way we let Adolis try to figure it out. And look, look at the value of letting Adolis figure it out. Yes. No, yeah, you got a really good point. Because maybe if Adolis does 2021 in 2023, Adolis Garcia obviously isn't getting what he got in a two-year contract and is probably out of the Rangers lineup for good. And maybe that's right. Maybe that's what Ezekiel Duran should be. Because the second half was a struggle, he shouldn't be considered the designated hitter for this team. But I think he should when, be. When it, when when you're trying to make the kind of run the Rangers were making last year, though, and we talked with Bochi about it many times. We asked about Duran. And he said kind of the same thing every time about his approach at the plate. When he you keep telling him to do something and he keeps not doing it, at some point you got to say, well, we can't. You're not learning anything, so yeah. we're going to have to set you aside, and you're going to have to figure out why. Just, I mean, John Gray kind of had the same situation, then got his opportunity in the World Series and and delivered. You know, he finally was like, okay, I'm I'm overthinking things. So I think that's where you kind of say, well, work on th- on stuff in the off season, and hopefully you'll have something. But the way it looked was he wasn't on on the roster for the World Series, he wasn't on playoff rosters. He's useless to us. So I think from the outside, people are looking at it and saying it's just not there. And maybe I'm wrong about this. I honestly have not asked anybody. I just wonder if you should have two lineups against a right-handed starting pitcher lineup and against a left. So I know Evan Carter says here batting third. And to be honest, I don't know who the opening day starter is going to be for. I believe it's the Chicago Cubs, right? So I maybe need to look up who their defined number one is. 
But I look at it and go, hey, against righties, can't we go Evan Carter one, Simeon two, Seager three? Give Seager more RBI yeah. opportunities. Yeah. And then when it's a left-handed starting pitcher, we go Simeon one, Seager two, Adolis three, Young four, Low five, Jonah Heim six, Evan Carter seven, and then go DH Leody eight nine, if if whoever the DH is on that given day. But I don't know. That's me, and maybe that's going to be the interesting thing about this year is I know we need to get to break here is last year one and two was 162 games as long as they were healthy. I'm just thinking maybe this year there's more to play with in a good way. Yep. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.